The following story has been brought to you by storiestoinspire.org. Our first speaker tonight is our dear friend, Rabbi Ben-Zion Klatsko, founder of Shabbat.com. Does so much uh, tremendous work inspiring Klai through his, through, his, through his tremendous efforts in Kayach. Rabbi Ben-Zion Klatsko. Hi, Shalom Aleichem, friends. This is Ben-Zion Klatsko, and I'm speaking to you on the Shloshim of Rucham Kanievsky on behalf of Siyom Yomi. I was Zoha to meet Rukhan Kanievsky a number of times. I want to share with you a quick story. I once came to ask him a Shaila, and he had just began learning with Chavrusa. And I thought, well, I'm going to have to wait one hour, two hours, I'm not sure. But Rukhan Kanievsky looked at me and said, why don't you come and join us in the Chavrusa shaft? And I sat and I learned Rukhan Kanievsky and the glow on his face and the simcha of not just learning Torah with the Chavrusa, but bringing in a younger man and learning with him. Reb Chaim Kanievsky finished Kola Torah Kula every single year. And there was a simcha in saying, I know I'm able to teach, I'm able to learn. And it's just, uh, it was a uh, an inspiration to all of us. We know the power of Torah can heal, it can be a segula, it can uh, it can bring Rachme Shemaya. And when we make a siyum, we're saying to Hashem, we sit and we, we engage in what makes Hashem happy. Siyum Yomi is a project that allows us to make a siyum every single day on all of Shisha Sudari Mishnah. It's very easy to do. All you need to do to be involved is to be makabal one Mishnah, the same Mishnah. Every day you can say it when you're wrapping, unwrapping your tefillin, when you're putting away your tefillin, you could say whenever you want, you can say that Mishnah. And we're going to have one person for every Mishnah in Shisha Siddur Mishnah, which means that every day, every Mishnah will be learnt by our Chevra of Siyam Yaimi. And at the end of each day, we can then bait from Shamayim for Rufuas, for Yeshuas, for Shaduchim, for Parnasa, all of the things that the, that the beauty of Torah and the, the, the mazel that learning Torah and being engaged in Torah brings, we are able to bring through these siyumim. Easy to do, take one Mishnah, you'll know it by heart, even if it's new to you within a short amount of time, and you'll feel like you're part of a much greater whole, a fantastic unity of all the Klai's all finishing Shisha Siddur Mishnah each and every day. Please sign up and join me. Thank you, Rabbi Klatsko. Our next speaker is Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. As you know, Rabbi Seltzer is a best-selling author. He's a tremendous speaker. He's, he, he's written so many biographies, so many tremendous story, um, books on, on, of stories and lessons. And he just came out with, with, a new, with a new book on the life of Rav Yitzhak Shiner, Tremendous safe with so many lessons. Pick it up right now, artsgirl.com, or your local Judaica store on Rav Yitzhak Shiner, our next, um, we, it's, it's our honor, it's, great, it's our great honor to call upon Rabbi Nachman Seltzer. Okay, so everybody, I want to tell you a story. This is about Rabbi Chaim, and I know everybody's talking about Rabbi Chaim, and uh, you know, everyone heard a million stories, but I want, to, I want to share one story with you that made a big impact on me. And uh, I was still learning Yeshiva and Yushalayim, and I went to my cousin's B'tach on Shabbos, and they started telling me, about, I was talking to my cousin, Michal Zlipsky, he told me that uh, he started talking about his new son-in-law. He said, my new son-in-law, May, learns with Chaim Kanievsky every Friday afternoon. So I was impressed. Yeah, I remember this is going back a while, so Chaim wasn't so well-known, but still, it's a big deal. He said, yeah, they learned together for many years. Uh, okay, I said, that's pretty harsh. Like, how many people could say that they learned together with Chaim Kanievsky every hour of Shabbos? I didn't follow up with the story at that time, which, uh, okay, say there. I, you know, I wasn't writing stories then. But years later, I was by, by, by the house of Shabbos again. And at, uh, at that time, I, I would go, me and my wife went for Shabbos, the kids for Shabbos to, to, um, to the Lipskis. And at that time, this, this son-in-law, mayor, his name is Mayor Aravo, he already had many kids. And I never really met Mayor Aravo. But uh, one Hanukkah, we were there at this party. And he gave me a copy of his latest Sefer. He gave me a copy of the Sefer. And he explained to me that every time he writes a safer, he has another child. So I asked him, how many sperm did you write so far? And he told me nine. I said, and how many kids do you have? He told me nine. So that was very nice. So at that time, 
Obviously, I should have asked him, what's the story over here? What shot? Every time you have a, you have a, you write a safe, you have a child. Well, what's, what's the, what's going on over here? But so what is it? Years later, some more puzzle pieces fell into place. And I learned the story. It was an exceptional story. Menachem Arava is mayor's father. He was a top-ranking officer in the IDF. Actually, not the IDF, the Israeli Air Force. And then he got interested in Yiddishkeit, and he wanted to spend some time figuring out things for himself. It wasn't so easy to do so in the environment that he lived. And then he had an idea. The Air Force paid for officers who had been in the Air Force for a number of years to take paid leave if they wanted to pursue a university degree. That was good for them. It was helpful in their careers. So Menachem Arov asked himself, what if instead of going for a degree, maybe the military will be willing to support me while I learn yeshiva? <laughs> it's like going for a degree, in a way. It's a degree of higher learning. Well, maybe they'd be willing. See, so he goes over to his officer and he asks him, would you be willing, would the army be willing, the Air Force be willing to pay for such a thing? So the, the officer said, I don't have a problem with this, but you have to clear it with the Ministry of Defense. And, uh, went, and he did. He tried. And he, the answer he got was a no. So what did he do? He didn't know what to do, but he wasn't sure. He didn't want to give up the dream, but he wasn't sure what to do. Not long afterwards, the Arava family spent Shabbos in the Nebra. And during the hours of he spent in this religious home, Menachem asked the host many questions. He had on his mind. And he said, tell, tell me, what is the name of the greatest Hamar Chacham living in Mnei today? Who's like the, the leader, the Gadol of the Yeshiva world? So this, the host replied, that's an easy, very easy answer. The name you're looking for is Rolaz Menachem Shach Rosh Shiva Panovich. So he said, can I talk to Rosh Shiva myself? So the host said, why don't you go over to Panovich and try so Menachem Arava, Lieutenant, Lieutenant Colonel in the Israeli Air Force, made his way through the congested streets of Nebra until he got to Panovich campus. And nearby, that's where Rabshach lived. He knocked on the door, Rabshach welcomed him inside. He said, what can I do for you? So he told Rabshach the whole story. He started becoming more interested in Torah Mitzvahs, and he was, he was a top military officer, and I had an idea. And he, I want to go to, instead of going to college, I want to go to yeshiva. So Shach said, what happened? He said, uh, the Ministry of Defense didn't let. He said, in the next few minutes, Nacham Arava was treated to a scene he would never forget. It was then that he understood, that just as there were generals sitting in Tel Aviv, coming up with campaigns and giving orders, there was a general sitting in a simple environment of Nebrak, coming up with brilliant campaigns and giving orders. Rashiv asked this Gabbai, the core of Shlomo Lawrence, who was then serving as a member of a Knesset of Agudas Israel, and they asked him to come to Rosh Hashiva, and soon Rav Lawrence came to see Rashiv. And you know, Rashiv said to Rashlema, isn't Agudas Israel right now engaged in coalition building with the upcoming government? He said, yes. I would like to put another clause in the agreement. What's the clause? It should say that any army officer would like to use the university degree which the army normally encourages and pays for it, to go and learn yeshiva, should be able to do so while being supported by the army, just as he was enrolled at the Technion and Tel Aviv University. This clause will state that the sabbatical year will be funded, whether it's a yeshiva or for an, a university degree. So, Shlomo Lawrence told the yeshiva, I'll take care of it immediately. And that was that. What happened? Menachem Rava became the first officer in the Israeli Air Force to be fully supported and Minister of Defense. Okay. So it wasn't long before the Arava family left the neighbor they were living and they moved to an apartment neighbor Abraham. Nachem was living in Kola. He's studying day and night to try to make up for lost time. His children were making, were doing well at the new schools. The mayor wasn't doing so well. Some mayor Arava. And when they first moved to Abraham, the mayor, his name was Zohar. That was the name he had in his bris. And after being introduced to Chaim Kareski, things changed. Chaim said to me, you have to change your name. That's why. The Zohar is the name of a safer, not the name of a person. So Mayor said, what should I call myself? Call your name, you should call yourself Mayor. Now, it might have been hard for him to make the change, but he had seen firsthand the power of Chaim's brachas. 
he had experienced a personal Yeshua to turn to Reb Chaim for a bracha a short while earlier. So Mayor trusted Reb Chaim implicitly, and he was willing to do whatever the Gadol said. So Mayor Zohar became mayor. He was 14 years old. He was having a lot of trouble figuring out how to read Gemara. All the rest of the class seemed to zip through the Sugi's Bamitzia. Mayor couldn't figure it out. Everyone else was natural for them, but maybe he had no success. So he goes to his father, he starts telling him, I don't know what to do, I can't figure it out. So Menachem Arav listens to his son, he says, why don't you go visit Chaim and tell him how hard it is for you to learn Gemara? <laughs> the mayor didn't feel so comfortable visiting Reb Chaim. As far as the thousands of people go to Reb Chaim, he said, I don't want to go. So what are you going to do? He said, I'll write a letter to Reb Chaim. He wasted no time. <clears throat> he sat down. He wrote a letter to Reb Chaim. He explained all his challenges. Reb Chaim replied, penning his reply on the same letter that he was sent. Mayor read Reb Chaim's reply, but he didn't understand what he was being told to do. So in the end, he decided to follow his father's advice. And he returned to the home of Chaim Kineski on West Palm Street, right next to Letterman Shore. He came to the Kanievsky home on Friday afternoon with a volume of Abba under his arm. Now, most times on Friday afternoon, people don't visit Rebchayim. So when Mayor came in, he found himself sitting with Rebchayim. He told Rebchayim all about Yeshiva life, how he wasn't making it. Rebchayim listened as Mayor Rebchayim poured out his heart. And eventually, the stream of words and tears came to an end. And he made a request from Rebchayim. And he said, would I be able to learn with the Rebbe. Chaim stared at him. He said, I don't really have time to learn with new Harusis. You know how busy I am, how many people come here every day. But Mayer may be surprised himself. Even. He reiterated his request. He begs Rebchayim to learn with him. He's pleading with Rebchayim. Please share with me the Torah. You know so well. And Rebchayim said, okay, well, let's learn. So Mayer opened his Gemara. So the two of them, Chaim and the 14-year-old boy, are sitting next to each other, studying like two charusas. They learned for an hour, and they finished Merlot to Chaim. And he said, Rebbe, yes. Can I come and learn with Rebbe next week too? It must have been very difficult for Chaim to agree. He had so many commitments. to was Seabor, to his own learning. Maybe he was remembering a young boy named Chaim, the son of the stipled guy, the nephew of the Chazanish, who also had but, you know, wasn't, not always was it the easiest thing. Sometimes he also had a few challenges when he was young. No? It's hard to know what was going through Chaim's mind at that moment. All he knows what he answered. He said to him, you can come back to learn with me next Friday. So it began. Because once they learned B'chavrusa twice, it became a weekly kvirs. Mayor arrived at Chaim's home every Friday afternoon for the weekly session. Time passed. A year, and then another. Mayor finished Yeshiva Gitano. It was time for him to transfer to Yeshiva Gedoyalo. His father wanted him to learn in a small Yeshiva. But Chaim had other plans. And he told her, Benachem Arava, Mayor is going to Panovich. Benachem said that Mayor should be in a Yeshiva. That's right for him. Panovich is too big for him. Chaim said, no. Menachem, I know your son better than you do. He's going to Panovich. It's already been arranged. So Chaim decided, and Meir went. So his father, Meir's father, met his Magad Shir a few weeks later. He said, how's my son doing? He said, not so great. He's not getting along with the Bachram. He's very quiet. His father was very concerned. He said to the mayor, I, I met one of the Magadishur from the Yeshiva. He told me that you haven't been yourself. Not learning well. What's the matter? I don't feel connected with other Bachim. I don't feel comfortable here. He said, his father said to him, why don't you discuss your feelings with Rebchayim? So the mayor did that. That Friday, he told Rebchayim how he felt about the Yeshiva. How Panovich wasn't working out for him. Rebchayim's answer was decisive and it was unorthodox. He said, I don't want you to go to Shir anymore. So the mayor said, what should I do instead? He said, I want you to learn the entire Masechta Megillah this week. The entire Masechta, daf after daf. On Friday, I'll test you on everything you learned this week. That's what happened. Mayor opened the Megillah on Sunday morning. He started to learn. He had a goal. He needed to finish the entire Masechta. He sat in the base marriage. They learned from morning till night. He finished the Masechta by Friday. 
in that afternoon. He made his way to Rosh Street. The Rebbe was giving, waiting to give him a test. Time test him on time. I was satisfied he knew it well. Next week, you will learn a tiny system. On Friday, I will test you on the time Masech. The next few years were incredible. The life, their incredible period of time, the life of Meir Aram. Every Friday, he presented himself to Kanievsky home. Chaim tested him on the material he learned that week. And then Rukhaim would tell him what he wanted him to learn the next week. At some point, Rukhaim started telling him he has to learn Tysus, in addition to himself as we learned. Week in, week out, May was tested. It was long before he finished Shas. Now, Sir Chaim will begin learning sections of Mishnah By the time he was ready to get married, Mayor had learned vast amounts of Gemara and Allah. So he went to Rukhaim and he asked, What should I be focusing on after my marriage? So Rukhaim said, I want, you to, I want you to be in writing a safe. He said, say from what topic? Mr. Bru, I want you to go into the Chavitz Chaim's reasoning and the death behind this Piskelach. And he passed, because one way I want you to delve into that and explain it. I want you to write a safe that can be used to illustrate the reasoning behind what is written in the Mishnah. Bru. May it didn't feel up to it. He felt it was too big for him. Chaim didn't force him. May and his wife were married for a year. Still didn't have a child. So he asked his rabbi what he should do. Told you what to do, Rukhaim said. What? Write a safer Mishnaburu. So Mayor wrote a safer Mishnaburu, calling it Mayor Oz. The Mem stood for Mayor. The Vav stood for the name the family called itself back in Poland. The Zion stood for Zor, the name he had before Rukhaim told him to change it. It wasn't long before Mayor and his wife were blessed with their first child. Like I said earlier, every time Mayor published another installment of Mayor Oz, he was blessed with another child. This is the story of my cousin's husband, the mayor, Rav Meir Rav, 14-year-old boy who had trouble learning, the boy who became a Chaim Shavus, the boy who would end up writing deep svarim on complicated matters of Allah. Imagine for a second what would have happened if a mayor had gone to a different Abraham who didn't see Rav Chaim's stall, wasn't willing to do what Rav Chaim did. Maybe he would have sent mayor away. What would happen to all those dap of Gemara and finishing Shas with Tess, Allah, svarim? How many Bachram have been lost because nobody recognized the potential? Took the time to help them realize what they could have become. But Rav Chaim was busier than anyone alive, did manage to find the time to learn with him, to help him develop into a Tamar Chacham. This story should serve as a lesson to every one of us about the potential that lies inherent in every single Jewish Hashanah. And let us act on that knowledge and change lives, just like Rav Chaim did. Thank you, Rabbi Seltzer. We remind everyone to, 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 to share the, the list link so that not only can you be inspired tonight, but, but so your friends and family can as well. Share, share, share it to your friends, your contacts. The link, tornytime.com slash live, tornytime.com slash C-H-A-Z-A-Q-L-I-V-E, tornytime.com slash live. Or you can call in 718-298-2077, extension 46. Again, 718-298-2077, extension 46. It is our great honor to call upon our friend, our, our dear friend, Rabbi Meir Simchasperlin, who has such energy, who, who inspires people through his shirim online, in person, inspires so many people through his energy and his tremendous kayak, Rabbi Meir Simchasperlin. I would like to welcome everybody to this beautiful event. <clears throat> and I want to start off by thinking stories to, and so I want to think about it that came here first. <laughs> think the Ebishter. I want to thank uh, stories to inspire for inviting me once again. And more importantly, for making this event happen. It's uh, very important for us to be able to tap into the life of such a God, Ladar Abchaim Kanievsky, Zecher Tzadik Vikadish Levracha, and to attach ourselves to him in a way that we will be able to change ourselves. Not enough just to hear the stories and to be entertained and wow, amazing Nisim Vinaflais Mamish. We have to be able to get closer to Akadish Baruchu because of, uh, of our connection with him and because of the stories and because of all the different things that we hear. You know, there's, uh, unfortunately the way time works, as we all know, once time goes on, in the beginning, it's like very like, whoa, and then after time, it's like a little bit less whoa, and then it's even less whoa, and then eventually, it just joins all the other legendary Gedele um, Hadar and all their stories, but to be able to really tap in and grab something and hold on to something forever, in order to really change our lives, we have to make that move right now. 
Because, like I said, otherwise, the uh, the closure of Reb Chaim Kanievsky is going to just be like any other, obviously great and inspiring, but any other great Gadol story and other previous G'dayli Hadar. And therefore, it's very important for us, for right now, which is already a few weeks later, to really try to tap into something and make a change and let Reb Chaim Kanievsky touch us so we could change and become closer to HaKadosh Baruch And therefore, I want to thank Stories to Inspire for making such a beautiful event. The point of today's event is to walk away with something. So make sure at the end, from one of the speakers, from one of the rabbeim, from one of the chashuva stories that we hear, we have something to hold on to. Also, I want to thank Chazak for their amazing work, for all that they do for Klayosol and for hosting as well. And last, but most definitely, most definitely not least, I want to thank Tarani Time, the entire family, Shim and Reuven, the entire team, and all of their incredible work on, beha- on behalf of the Klal. It's fascinating how much they do, if you only knew. I was actually zeichet to go into their uh, headquarters. <laughs> we were zeichet. We were zeichet to go in, and it was beautiful. Not much beautiful, unbelievable. And how much more there is to come. So, kolakavo, two stories to inspire to Chazak and to Torah anytime. And obviously, I want to thank the Ebishtak of the Shparuchu for allowing me to come and give some chizuk and share some stories and speak about some beautiful things about this amazing, amazing Gadol Hadar. Okay. So... I want to start off, actually not really start off, I want, I want to share two stories with the Ilam over here. They're, they're stories that you already heard, I think, and you should know that when we talk about somebody so special, you're automatically going to have, you know, repetition and stuff, because, oh, the famous grasshopper story, I heard it 70 times already, you know, it's an amazing story, it's a beautiful, awesome story, but we hear it again and again and again, because we have a legendary person, we have a Gadol Hadar, so a lot of the stories are going to be repetitive, but it could be that somebody's going to say it in a different way, or add a little knetch here, a little knetch there, that we could grab onto, but Mistama, you know the stories that I'm going to say, so uh, yeah, so Chazar is the Iker, as we always say. Um, yeah, so before we get to the stories, I want to share something I heard from Rabbi Reisman Shlita, and that is a beautiful, very powerful Gemara. And that is the Gemara in Ksubis and Kuv Dalad Amir I believe. You have, to take a, you have to take a look at the Marsha also with the Gemara, just to understand exactly what it's talking about, but I want to share it the way I heard it from Rabbi Reisman. And that is that the Gemara says in Ksubis that, I think it's Kuv Dalad, maybe it's Kuv Gimel, but I think it's Kuv Dalad Amir that when Rebbe died, when Rabbeinu HaKadosh died, Everyone who was in the room when he died had the schus to go to Elam Haba. They were muhan l'chay Elam Haba. Everyone who happened to be in the right place at the right time, straight to Elam Haba. Now we all know, I mean I hope we know, that there's no such thing as free Elam Haba. Yeah, you know, you get up to the next world, like, I happen to be there. Who are you? I don't know, but I was there, so I go in. It doesn't work like that. There's no free Elam Haba. So what's the Gemara talking about? They happen to have been in the room where Abinu HaKadosh died. Rabbi Yehuda Hanasi, he died, so now we go to Elam Haba? What's the pshat? What, what does the Gemara mean? So he said that um, anybody who was in that room was so affected. They were so changed as people that it's not the pshat that they went to Elam Haba because they were there. No, they became people who lived their lives in a derech of Muchan Chayel Haba. They were so changed. They were so affected. Something was triggered inside of them that they now changed their life. And they geared it towards the Kaddish Baruch Hu, towards Avedas Hashem so much that they were Muchan L'chayel Hava. And that is the goal of the stories. That is the goal of today. The goal is that we should become people that we were so affected by Reb Chaim Kanievsky, Zeicher Tzadik V'Kaddish that now we are people who are in a derech of going straight to Elam Haba. So I want to start off by just sharing I keep saying start off. <laughs> I want to continue by sharing his daily schedule. Every single day, the Seder Hayyim that Reb Chaim Kanievsky did every day was 11 pages of Zohar, 10 Prakim of Tehillim, 8 Prakim of Tanakh, 10 Simonim of Mishnabura, 8 Prakim of Rambam, 10 Simonim of Tor Shulchan Aruch, 8 Blat of Talmud Bavli, 8 Blat of Talmud Yerushalmi, 8 Prakim of Medrash, 8 Daf of Kisve Ha'ari, 8 Daf of Kisve Haramchal, and then he would write down his Chidushe Teirah. <laughs> fascinating daily schedule. Could anybody do this for one day? <laughs> Anyways, he would make a him every year on Erev Pesach, on the Zayar Tanach, Mishnabur, Rambam, Tor, Shulchan Aruch, Shas Bavli, Shas Yerushalmi, Tosef, the Midrashim, Kisvei, Ari, Kisvei, every year. I'm sure you heard this before, but this year was a leap year. He finished and he made the him right before his Petir Rep, he was Nifter. Fascinating, Rabbi Say. Boggles the mind. Unbelievable, but just such a schedule. So the first thing I want to suggest is try to do this for one day. 
I'm joking, I'm joking. Do not trade this one day. Rather, try to do this from one hour. And what do I mean by that? I mean that the way he learned all of these different things that he learned was with such a focus, such a clarity, such a passion that we should try to do that as well. That means turn off your phone when you're learning for a half hour. What what did I gain? What did I take from the stories of Reb Chaim Kanievsky that he was so focused on something? I also want to be focused. Now, I can't do his schedule, but what I can do is at least a half hour during first Seder or second Seder or night Seder or when I listen to a shir, I am totally focused. So try to do his daily schedule for the next few years or the next few months or the next few weeks that just a half hour of your learning is uninterrupted. And like this, we have taken something, we have grabbed something from Reb Chaim Kanievsky. Now besides covering the entire Torah, I want to point out the mastery that Reb Chaim Kanievsky had. He had a say, this is a famous story, you sure know the story, but he had a, a, a sefer called the Tamad Zakra, which is on Chumash, which was published how many years ago? 40 years ago, 50 years ago, when he was a young man, or a much, much younger man. Take a look at Parsha's Kisetse, which talks about the Parsha of Gitin, of divorce. And he writes that somebody told him, B'Shem Hagrad, of Ulnagayin, that the Gimel and Tess never appear together in Tanakh. Right, get is not a Hebrew word. A divorce, sefer krisis. That's what it says in the Torah. But we call it a get. We have a sefer gemara gitten. But he says gimel and tes separation. There's no gimel and tes in the entire Torah next to each other. All Tanakh, twenty four books. And they ask Abraham Kineski, "Is it true?" Now let me ask you a question before we get to what he said. If I would ask you the first page of Bereshis, yeah, which which letters don't uh, touch each other in the first page on the first line? Precious Barala came as a, which letters don't touch like, uh, one plus one is two, two plus two is four, four. <laughs> you start going like, who, how, we, who knows that? Who knows which letters don't touch on one page? Forget about the whole Barashas. Forget about the whole Torah. Forget about the whole Tanakh. Rab Chaim Kanievsky thought for a little bit and he said, no, Taka, there is no Gimel and Tess that are connected anywhere in Tanakh. And guess what? There are four other combinations also that are not connected. <laughs> What does that mean? The mastery to know which letters touch and which ones don't? It's, it's fascinating. And what's the shot? What's the shot? So obviously he had a huge mind. There's no question. He had a lot of Siyad But he had a passion for the Torah. What he saw, he didn't forget. It meant something. Rabbi Moshe Feinstein, Zeichir Tzadik Levracha, they say that he said, I heard it shame him, that he said that if anybody ever saw a bird lift up a building, you're like, what? You would never, ever forget that. Why? Because it's something that's so, whoa, whoa, I can't, did you see that bird just lift up the building? Dude, you're crazy, what are you talking about? <laughs> no, because that has such a, has such an impact on you. It has such a roishim on you. If every word of the Torah does that to you, then taka, maybe, maybe you'll taka, no, you won't forget. You'll know every letter, maybe. How chashav is the Torah in your eyes? How important is the Torah to you? What does the Torah mean to you? What it meant to Reb Chaim was so much, so dear. This was life itself. Better is the word of the Torah than everything in the world. Gold, silver, everything. And when it, mean, when it means something to you, then Taka could change you. And Taka, you'll remember things that nobody else will remember. Now again, I don't know if that's the pshat. Reb Chaim Kanievsky obviously had a mastery beyond our comprehension, but it could be something to take on, us, on upon ourselves. That you know what? I want to have a passion. I want this to mean something real. It's just fascinating. It's really Gimel and Tess and Tanakh. How many thousands of letters, thousands of Sukkim, to know which letters touch, which ones don't? His whole life was Torah. That was his whole entire life. And we have to tap into that a little bit. That's story number one. Story number two is another famous story. And this is also something you probably know. There was an individual who in the mid-90s, during the dot-com era, when people were becoming millionaires overnight... Maybe you know him. <laughs> there were some people that became very, very, very wealthy overnight. Mamish, like from zero to like $100 million overnight. And there was a young couple, I think they were in Flappish, who became fabulously wealthy overnight and they became very nervous. I and Hara, the evil eye, I'm the same as everybody in my block. I go to the shul, all my friends, all my boys. And uh, I and Hara, what am I going to do? So they went to Reb Chaim. First class, bought his jet. Now so he flew, he flew to Reb Chaim Kanievsky and he said, what should I do? So what did Reb Chaim Kanievsky answer? He said, did you quit your job and go back to Kerala now? Now you're, you're wealthy. You don't know. Yeah, yeah, well. He said, well, back to Kerala. I'm busier than ever. I can't, no, I can't do anything. I can't, I can barely. He said, oh, um, did you, you have more chavrusas now, Mastami? Yeah, you can pay chavrusas. More chavrusas. I can barely keep up with those chavrusas. I have more chavrusas. He said, so 
there's not more Torah now because you're taking care. Who's going to be jealous of you? What's there to be jealous of then? That you could buy a, a watch, a nicer watch? Reb Chaim Kanievsky responded like this, not because he was trying to say like, oh, so no, because this was life. This is how he saw life. The whole point of everything in life, like the Masil Sharm says right in the beginning, is to help you serve Hashem. So if you have more of all those things, they have more Menuch Sanefesh, because you have more finite, whatever the case is, so more Kharusas, so more Kailo. If you're not going to have more Torah, more Kailo, so who's going to be jealous of you? There's another version of the story. Somebody else went there and he said, you ever made a Simashas? No. Simsechta? No. One Parak? No. You know one Abad? No. He's like, nah, you're all good to go. Don't worry. Nobody cares. The point is Torah, Torah, Torah. Everything about his life was Torah. And he saw these things with such a reality. This was his life. You know, there was another beautiful story that I heard from Rabbi Reisman. He said that he heard B'Shem Reb Chaim, that Reb Chaim, somebody said that, are you supposed to wash in Malava Malka? And he said that there's going to, when people get to the next world, there's going to be a lot of things that they're going to say, I couldn't do that. I wasn't on that level. But he said, when people are going to see what does it mean and the value of washing from Malava Malka, even on one piece of bread, one small piece of bread, but just what they're going to say, oh, they're going to be mamish taken aback. That's something that Itaka could have done. And Rabbi Rasmus Shlita said that when he heard that from Reb Chaim, he took it upon himself, Bli Nether, to wash every single Matzjabas from Reb Chaim. He said this. Like, who's not going to do that? And when I heard him say that, <laughs> I started doing that. Also, Bli Nether. But Rabbi said, we have to make a change in our lives because we have to see his passion for Torah, for mitzvahs, for reality. What's the pshat that you're washing? Because he saw the reality of life. The reality is Torah, is washing from Lav Malk, is doing the mitzvahs, is making, making kiddush on wine, and doing things in the most... Because that's what life was about. There was nothing in his life but Torah. Rabbi say, every single one of us could step up our Torah a little bit more, could make our passion a little bit more on fire. All of us. Doesn't mean you learn the whole day. It doesn't mean you're finishing 11 pages of Zayar and this and that. That's not what it means. But it means that you're doing more than you were doing. It means you're doing more of a focus. You're trying to do the mitzvahs a little bit more with the Hashivah. So there's another story I'll just say very, very quickly. He couldn't find his lulav by Pesach. It's a famous story also. And he was very makbid on a minug, the minug to burn it with the thingy, with the, with all the chametz. And it was a minug. And the Rebbitson told him, you have to go to sleep, it's late. And he was on his knees and trying to find it. He couldn't find it, mamish, nothing. And she said, you have to go to sleep, it's, it's a minug, you have to go. He's like, it's a minug. But this is a minug, this is our minug. And this is everything to us. Every part of our Avedas Hashem is something. And it's so chashev, so important, so significant. Anyways, he ended up going to sleep, or that's what the Rebbitson thought. And at two in the morning, three in the morning, whatever, she saw he wasn't there. And then she found him coming in from the, from outside. He was looking through the garbage. He thought maybe somebody threw it out. Could you imagine? Three in the morning, an older man ready. And then finally, he did find it, like late, late, late at night. And he was like, a, like a whole burden was lifted off his shoulders because it was real to him. It meant something to him. And that's the Yisrael. Rabbi said, if we could walk away by realizing that the Torah has to be real to us, our passion, our fire, our focus, Avodah Hashem needs to be real. These G'daylin were such big people, and this is what they held dear to them. So obviously this is real. There's something here. So we have to take that upon ourselves also. A few minutes a day, I'm going to do 10 minutes a day, 15 minutes a day, I'm going to learn totally focused. I'm going to listen to a shir totally focused. I'm going to wash every Malava Malka, because this is what the purpose of life is. Taira. Rabbi said, let's remember that the people in the room of Rabbeinu HaKadosh were changed as people. Why? Because it affected them, it changed them. Let's make that change, Rabbi say. Have a wonderful, wonderful day, and thank you for joining this beautiful event. Thank you, Rabbi Sperling. Our next speaker is Rabbi Eliezer Krohn. As you know, Rabbi Krohn is, is following in the, in, the, in the footsteps of his tremendous father, Rabbi Hesach Krohn Shlita. And and um, and, and he's, he's he's a Mo- Rabbi Eliezer Kron, He's a Moel. He's an author. He came with a tremendous book by Art School, a Woman's Guide to Practical Halacha. He's a tremendous speaker. He speaks in seminaries. He speaks in lectures or lectures around the world. Rabbi Eliezer Kron. Hi, my name is Eliezer Kron, and I was asked by Torah Anytime to share a personal incident that I had with Reb Chaim Kanevsky. So the truth of the matter is that although I spent Baruch Hashem eight years in Eretz Yisrael, I wasn't the type of person to run around to Gedolim all day. I tried as much as I can to spend my time in the base Medrash. Perhaps I could have spent more. But I do have one incident that I witnessed from Ebchaim Kanevsky, and it has made a tremendous ration and a tremendous impression on me. And that is that I one time went to Bnei Brak together with my father, as a matter of fact, 
and we came to the house of Reb Chaim right when it was time for him to go to Meiriv. We daven Meiriv together with him, but it was right at that moment when it was ready, when it was time for him to leave his house and go to the Letterman Shul right next door to Meiriv. And Reb Chaim was an elderly individual at that point, um, and you wouldn't have necessarily put him on an Olympic track team. But the way he ran to Meiriv, or you could say maybe walked so fast, he flew, I could hardly catch up with him, that he was walking from his house to Meiriv. And the Shulchan Aruch tells us that a person should run to Shul, should go very fast to Shul. It's based on a Gemara and Brachas, Davav, that a person should go fast to the Beis HaKnesses. And Reb Chaim Kanevsky lived Alpi, the, based on the Shulchan Aruch and the Gemara, and he flew to the, the Beis Medrash. And I was thinking that, you know, my father always says over, from based on a pasuk in Tehillim, and Tehillim it says Kufi, in, in capital Kufi Test, chapter one nineteen. It said David Amelech says King David tells us Chashti v'loy hismamoti lishmor mitzvaysecha. I rushed and I didn't delay to keep your mitzvos. And why is there a double expression? I rushed and I didn't delay. Why doesn't it just say, I rushed, or I didn't delay? Why does it say two things, I rushed and I didn't delay? My father always says over that when you see someone rushing and running somewhere, it could be one of two reasons. Either because he wants to get there very fast, and he wants to be on time, and he's excited to do it, or it could be because he woke up late, and he's late, and that's why he's running, because he has to catch up and make up for lost time when he was running late. That's the double expression. I rushed, and I didn't delay. It's not because I delayed. I rushed to keep the mitzvahs because I was excited, and I was um, I wanted to go with alacrity, with Zrizos, to go do the mitzvahs. That was Reb Chaim Kanevsky. Every moment, every minute was accounted for, learning and helping people, answering questions, answering Shilas, to the last moment necessary to leave his house. He left his house not a moment too early, not a moment too late, and boom, as fast as he can, doesn't want to have to spend time walking as fast as he can to Meirev. Then they started Meirev, of course, right when they got there. But that is a lesson to all of us. You come running, running, running to davening, and you'll see people running, running to davening, and you're not sure what time that shul davens. So you don't know, is the person rushing because he's excited to run to, to, to daven, or is it because he's, uh, he's running late? Let's take this lesson. Let's rush, rush, rush to do the mitzvahs. Don't do anything dangerous, but we have to do it with excitement that we want to do the mitzvahs. It's not a burden upon us, chas v'shalom. It's an opportunity. It's a responsibility. And we're excited to run, to follow the laws and the mitzvahs of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, and to daven, and to take our feet, should run to the base Medrash and the base Knesset. Thank you, Rabbi Kron. Our next speaker is Rabbi Daniel Koren. As you know, Rabbi Koren is it's one of the rabbis of 184 Shei, Shiner Shul, base Medrash Orachayim. He's a tremendous, he puts out clips, videos every single day, inspires so many people. But Daniel Koren. I want to thank Stories to Inspire, Chazak, and of course Torah Anytime, the most amazing platforms of Torah all over the world. I want to start with Reb Chaim Kanievsky, Zeichel Tzadik Livorachai, the schus to be by him a few times. And there's so many moifsim that are coming out. You know, moifsim is something that we speak about in Yitzhiyas Mitzayim, Leil HaSeder. Most of them are miracles that are beyond nature. I asked a good friend of mine who was very close to Reb Chaim for many years. I said, did you know that he had such Ruach HaKodesh? He said, yes, but you don't learn from Ruach HaKodesh. You don't learn from Moisim. That's not going to change us. What will change us is something that he told me, something that he knew personally and he heard. He said, and I saw this, I viewed this so many times, Reb Chaim was so real and so truthful. And I think that was the secret to how he became Reb Chaim. And what I mean by that is the following story. Years, I think it was almost in the 70s, and Reb Chaim had finished a Sefer. The Sefer was in Kiddush HaChodesh, and he was incredibly happy. Something that, of course, Reb Chaim was a happy person. And it was actually a great sense of humor. But this was unusual, and everyone recognized it, and asked him, Saba, what's Pshat? Reb Chaim, you've written so many Svarim already. What's so special about this Sefer? And he told him the following. He said, years ago, there was a conversation that took place with the Chazanish and Big Tamid Chachamim that was sitting with the Chazanish discussing Kiddush HaKadosh. Now, Kiddush HaKadosh, when it opens up, the Rambam knows how difficult it is. 
Now, Reb Chaim was a talented person. We know that he was very mukhshal. He was very, by the age of 13, he finished Shas. So he wasn't someone that wasn't knowledgeable. But he still had his limitations. And when he was sitting amongst his Chabur, he came to join. And one of the Tamid Chachamin, they said, Reb Chaim, this is not really for you. And he said it hurt him so much. For years, it was Tzorev. Tzorev means it was burning him. So instead of becoming resentful and falling into a place of despair and saying, ah, forget it. He said, I'm going to try to do the best. And one day I'm also going to be able to understand Kiddush HaChodesh and write a Sefer on it. And when he finished the Sefer, it was a celebration, not just of the Sefer itself. It was a celebration of success. And success that came specifically when it was difficult and challenging and even maybe somewhat miserable. Instead of falling into despair of Chaim's teaching us, be truthful with yourself. Know that you could do anything that Hashem wants you to do and that Hashem is going to help you come through. And Dafka sometimes the most difficult and challenging places that we find ourselves are the opportunity for greatness. Thank you, Abraham Ganievsky. Thank you, Rabbi Koran. Our next speaker is Rabbi Yaakov Rahimi. As we know, Rabbi Rahimi is a tremendous speaker. He, um, he's, he, he's, he's the author of Mishnah Bura Tiferet, tremendous, tremendous movement and initiative for, of, of practical halacha. Um, and is our great honor to go upon Rabbi Rahimi. Thank you, Stories to Inspire. Thank you, Torah Anytime. And thank you, Chazak, for this uh, event for the God of Adar, Maran, Sarah Torah. I'm going to say over a quick lesson with a story, with a th- I think has a tremendous lesson, and I think maybe it was a little bit, a little bit overlooked. Everybody listened to the Levaya, everybody listened to the funeral of Chaim Knievsky, and over there, I go in Ritzach Zilberstein, sit over the famous story, which I heard many, many years ago, uh, I read in the Sefer Alim the Shabbat. And I'm sure it's already coming out of people's ears by now, this story, and you can watch the video yourself. But the famous, famous story is that Rucham Kinevsky was learning the sugya havilchot chagavim. He was learning the laws of grasshoppers. There are grasshoppers that might be kosher. Uh, the Yemenites, the Temanim, have a certain misoa, a certain tr- tradition, that there are certain chagavim. They have the simanim, the signs that make the Chagavim a certain type of grasshopper kosher. And again, I'm warning you, I know the story is going out of years already. It's uh, been overused many, many times over the years, and especially since Chaim Kinevsky passed away. But I want to bring out a tremendous message from the story. So the story goes, Chaim Kinevsky was learning the sugya bi'iyun, the halachot, the laws of what is a kosher grasshopper, what is not. Now, part of knowing things clear as a rabbi, especially the Marana Posekador, a genius like Rechaim Kinevsky, is you have to know things thoroughly. I mean, you really, really have to know them. There's no playing around. You really have to know every nitty-gritty part of the halacha, why and if and what will happen and what's the source from the Gemara all the way to the Psukim, back and forth, all the Rishonim, the Achonim. Anybody who learns the Sugya Biyun, anybody who learns Gemara halacha in depth know what it means to really know halacha well, well, well. So how much more so? Hagarin Chaim Kinevsky want to know the halacha exactly 100%. But the problem is that you don't really find grasshoppers, especially not to look into them, to know exactly what defines the sign of a kosher grasshopper and not a kosher grasshopper. But the story goes that uh, his wife actually said of a story, it's on video, the Rebinson, she said over that one time, as uh, her husband, Rechaim Kinevsky, was learning the sugya of the grasshoppers, a grasshopper came to his table, literally his study table that he was learning, a grasshopper came, he was able to see exactly uh, what are the signs of a kosher grasshopper as he was learning the sugya of the halakha, of the laws of grasshoppers. And then after he finished learning and examining this grasshopper in front of his face that came out of nowhere in Israel, in Bnei Brak, the grasshopper flew away. This story was set over by his own wife, and she was shocked that her husband was learning so biyun, yes, such siyata dishmaya. She was so happy that her husband was zocheh, had the merit that a grasshopper in our times, literally Hashem in him an open miracle, a grasshopper fell on his table, and he was able to examine it, the grasshopper left. Now this is a tremendous lesson. No matter how much we talk about Rechaim Kinevsky, we can't even fathom what that means, the level of kedushah, the level of holiness that a human being became such a big tzaddik, such a holy, righteous person, that Hashem will do such an open miracle like that for him. It's unbelievable the level, the level that Rechem Gamsky was. 
talking about him more, if anything, reduces his level of Kiddushah, of his holiness. I want to bring out a tremendous point from the story that can apply to everybody. The question is not, is it a big miracle, is it not a big miracle that the grasshopper came to his table? The question is, how did Rechaim Kinyevsky get to such a level of holiness? How did he get to such a level of righteousness that Hashem performed such a miracle for him in the first place? The fact that a miracle happened to Rechaim Kinyevsky to me is not surprising. The fact that a grasshopper came on his table, what's the big deal? Hashem can do anything. Hashem runs the world. Every day is a miracle. Every moment of our life is a miracle. There are miracles all over the place. So to me, it's not surprising that a grasshopper literally came out of nowhere and fell on his table, on Chaim Kiyamsi's table. The lesson from the story is not that the grasshopper came there because Hashem could do anything. The lesson of the story is how did Rechaim Kinyevsky reach such a level that Hashem made an open miracle for him? The answer is, Rabotai, Rechaim Kinyevsky learned Torah. Very simple. He learned and he learned and he learned and he learned. He controlled himself and controlled himself and took over and over and over the Yetzirah and learned and learned and learned and learned. So the whole point of the story of the grasshopper is not the fact that a grasshopper came on his table, because that's Pashut. A person who learns so much Torah, a person that's so holy, of course a grasshopper will come to your table. What's the big deal? You're so close to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, you're so close to God that anything can happen to you because Hashem is unlimited. And when you are close to Hashem, you yourself become unlimited. When you attach yourself to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the closer you are to Hashem, the more unlimited you are, the less body of a person you are, the less of a physical person you are, the more of a spiritual person you are, the closer you get to Hashem, the more things can get done for you, even open miracles like a grasshopper coming to your table. So the point of the story is not that an open miracle happened to him. The point of the story is, wow, look what happens when a human being that was born to this world just like me and you, works on himself and learns Torah, not just talks about Torah, actually learns Torah. It gave up everything in the world and he got a lot more and that is Torah virat shamayim. A person that learns, gets close to God, open miracles for sure will happen to him. Why not? Hashem could do anything and when you're so close to him, anything could be done. The lesson of the story is, is when those who try and those who plug away in Torah virat shamayim get very close to Hashem. When you get very close to Hashem, anything can be done. It's not surprising such an open miracle happened. It's surprising how a person learned so much Torah that such a miracle happens to him in the first place. Thank you so much. Thank you, Rabbi Rahimi. Our next speaker is Rabbi Shlomo Landau. As you know, Rabbi Landau is the, is the director of Torah Links um, in, the, in, the, in the New Jersey area. He's a tremendous, um, author, he's a tremendous speaker, author, and, and tremendous um, Kayach, a tremendous force for Kalah Yisrael. And just so much for Kalah Yisrael, Rabbi Shlomo and It's not that long since the Petira, the passing of Maran Sarah Torah, Reb Chaim Ghanievsky, Zecher Tzadik Levracha, and hundreds and probably thousands of amazing, remarkable, miraculous stories have been coming out about Reb Chaim. And the truth is that the vast majority of them are definitely true because Reb Chaim was really above and beyond regular human life. I want to share a story which is not a moifus, it's not a miracle, it's not a wonder, but it's the reason and the cause for so many of the miraculous stories that are being said over and that were experienced by interactions that people had with Reb Chaim Zechariah Levracha. There's a particular fellow in Yerushalayim, his name is Reb Shimon Gerlitz. He's a big Tamil Chacham and he was close to Reb Chaim for the last four decades. And he interacted with Reb Chaim all the time. This past Arab Shabbos, he said over a Misa, which is truly mind-boggling. One evening, he paid a visit to Reb Chaim Kanievsky in his home on Rechov Rajbam. That day, the Prime Minister, Benjamin Netanyahu, had come to visit Reb Chaim to talk to him about something. And there was tremendous fanfare when the Prime Minister came. They sealed off Rechov Rajbam. There were cameramen. It was all over the media, splashed all over the media that the Prime Minister had come to visit Reb Chaim Kanievsky. So later that day, when Reb Shimon came to speak to him, he said to him, It was such an amazing Kiddush Hashem, as the Pasuk says, That all the Amaratzim, even the simple folk, the Hamoinam, they'll see Kishem Hashem Nikra Lecha, that Hashem's name rests upon you, and there'll be a reverence. It's amazing. What a Kiddush Hashem. Reb Chaim looked at him and said, 
What Kiddush Hashem? He goes, the Kiddush Hashem that happened right here on Rechav Hashbam in your apartment. And Chaim said, ah, you're talking about the seam that my grandson made in my house earlier today? So, Herb Shimon says, yeah, that's also a Kiddush Hashem, but I'm talking about the fact that the Rosh HaMemshalah came, that the Prime Minister came. And Chaim looked at him seriously and said, I don't know what you're talking about. I have zero recollection. That means to say, the Prime Minister came and discussed pertinent matters with Reb Chaim. And Reb Chaim was 100% aware and fully into it when it happened. But as soon as it was over, it was material, mental material, that was totally irrelevant, that didn't need to stay in Reb Chaim's databank. And literally, it dissipated. It was as if it was never there. That is where the power of Agadol B'Yisrael comes from. That his mind, that his heart, that his essence is chock full of only one thing, and that is Avedash Hashem, Limit HaTayra. It's because of that that when he says something, when he advised something, when he thought about something, it was from the purest of sources, and it had the most incredible impact, and it's, and it's the words that he said, and the advice that he gave was everlasting. That was Reb Chaim. He was Kal Kulei Taira. He was like a Malach Hashem Tzavakais, 100% spiritual, 100% Ruchni. And of course, the hundreds and hundreds of stories that are being said over by Reb Chaim were able to happen. The tremendous miracles, the Maifsim, the wonders. And this, when a Gadol passes away, it's a Mechaiv. It's an obligate. It obligates us to realize that human beings are capable of attain, attaining such incredibly lofty levels. And at least in our own way, in a small, tangible, real way of doing something to upgrade our priorities, of focusing 100% when we're learning and turning off our phones and not being distracted by them so we could be 100% into the learning. And more importantly, making making our learning the permanence and the rest of our life filling in with arai, with the blanks, with the temporary. And now, after the Gadol passes, we're still in the Shleishim, a person, if they tap into those incredible qualities and they make a real Kabbalah, there's, it's so much more powerful than it usually is. Let's take this as a time for his Iris, a time to arouse ourselves spiritual. Let's recommit the things in our life that are really important to the Nitzchias, to the eternity. And what we do will have an everlasting effect on us and be a tremendous Eli Neshama for the Neshama of this incredible Sarah Taira. Thank you, Rabbi Lando, for your incredible words of inspiration. Our next speaker is Rabbi Yeshua Sova, the Rav of Share Ezra Congregation in Miami Beach, Florida. This story was asked that I should repeat over for storiestoinspire.org. My good friend, Rabbi Daniel, who is the head of that, asked that I should repeat this story. Leili Nishmat, Maran, Hagon, Rav Shmayo, Yosef Chaim, Ben, Moreno, Rav Yaakov Yisrael, the Pesha Miriam, Rav Chaim Kanievsky. Everyone has fantastic stories illustrating his tremendous Avat Torah, his Avat Yisrael, Avat Hashem. His Hatmada was unbelievable, and how he cared for every little bit and everything. Unbelievable. He was unbelievable. I just want to tell you one story, a personal story that happened. This story happened not to me, it happened to my parents. My parents at that time were living in Lakewood, New Jersey, and my brother-in-law and sister, they moved into my parents in the basement. So you'll see why that's very relevant in a second. And what happened was one evening, I believe it was one evening, my parents hear some knocking on the window, which was very unusual. They look up and they see there's this woodpecker who keeps banging against the glass of the window of their house, which was making quite a racket. And it's also very unusual because woodpeckers usually, when they peck, they like to peck at a more sound surface, like a wall or a tree. But pecking at a glass, usually it gets reverberations that the woodpecker doesn't like. So it's very unusual for it to peck on a window. So it just amplified the sound, and it was very annoying. And my parents, they tried hiring uh, animal catchers. They tried setting up traps. Nothing worked. The animal was able to avoid all that. And was continuing to peck continuously every single night. Okay. My parents made a trip to Eretz Yisrael, and they're very close with Arosh Kolel, who lives literally down the block from Reb Chaim Kanievsky, Zatzal, on Rechov Rashbam, 19, Reb Matisio Lesman. Reb Matisio Lesman is an unbelievable person. Everyone should get to know him. He's a fantastic human being. And he's a Rosh Kolel, Tamil Chacham. He has many Avrechim that 
are learning under him in Bnei Brak and Yerushalayim and multiple places, Chadera, Beit Shemesh. Unbelievable, humble, good, very good, sweet person. And Ramatisio Lesman, he found that my parents were in Bnei Brak, uh, in Eretz Israel, and he says, listen, I could get you into Bnei Brak. Reb Chaim is mamish a man. He's a neighbor. He's literally down the block from mine. I know the best time to go in. So when I call you, just get on a, a cab or whatever it is, a, a, a train, plane, automobile, whatever it is that you need to do, get from Yerushalayim to Bnei Brak. Okay, fine. Anyways, it was Sunday morning. He calls them up very early and says, if you could come right now within the next hour, Reb Chaim is wide open. They blocked off that time. I know he's fin- he finishes Chavot. He had a certain amount of things he had to learn every single day. It was ironclad. And whenever he had free time, he would either write his Farim or he would talk to people that uh, needed more time. So he said, I, I know he finishes Chavot because he did it last night or he did it early in the morning. And uh, I just heard that he's available for the next hour. Get here now and I'll be able to take you in. Okay, so my parents immediately, they hightail it to Benevak. And as they're Getting closer, my mother turns to my father and she says, whatever we're going to be asking Reb Chaim, different she'elot that we have, should we mention to him the story about the bird? My father's like, don't waste Reb Chaim's time. Don't waste his time. You know, my mother's like, well, maybe, you never know. Anyways, okay, fine. So they go to Reb last month's house. They tell him the questions that they have. Reb says, okay. He knows how to say the questions in a very succinct manner. And he goes to Reb Chaim, he starts speaking to him. As he's speaking to him, my mother... She's in a different room. She says uh, a little audibly <laughs> to Ramatisio Lesman, the bird, the bird, Atsipora, uh, the bird, the, the Fegala. <laughs> and Ramatisio Lesman, he nods, and he, he points to my mother, yeah, yeah. And then he leads to Jerchaim and he tells them in Yiddish, he says, and whatever, whatever, whatever he told my father, he says, by the way, they are having an issue recently that there is this bird that keeps pecking and driving them insane. And uh, it doesn't bother them, and they want to know if it's a siman for something. Subhaim thinks for five seconds, and that's like an eternity, and 23 Rashbam, thinks for five seconds. He suddenly looks up at my father with his beautiful green eyes. He looks up at my father and goes, does anyone owe you money? My father goes, yeah, a lot of people owe me money. No, no, no. Does anyone owe you money that was just niftar very recently? My father goes, yeah, yeah, six months ago. There was someone from a certain city that a long time ago I did a business venture with him and he didn't pay me back and he knew he owed me money. It wasn't like, it was like, maybe, conjecture, I don't know. person knew he owed me money and he refused to pay. And he just passed away a few months ago. Chaim looked at my father and said, that bird is a gilgul. It's a gilgul nishama that came down this world to get a punishment and the bird is asking for you to say that you're mochel. You forgive the chov, you forgive the amount that's owed to you. My father says, if I'm mochel my chov, how am I going to get it back? I'll do that. Don't worry about it. You'll get it back. Are you mochel him? My father says, yeah. Machulach, machulach, machulach. Chaim says, okay. Baracha v'atzacha. Hashem should bless you. And he gave him a very nice baracha. He says, because you're mevater and you gave up on that. Okay. No one in my family knew that they went to Rechov Hashbam 23. They did not know that they spoke to Reb Chaim. No one knew. Everyone thought they were in Yerushalayim enjoying their Motzei Shabbat. Seven hours ahead. It was early Sunday morning, which is one o'clock here. It was, no one knew about it. So, my parents, they didn't tell anyone. They didn't post this. They didn't say anything, whatever. They were going to tell everyone later on about this whole conversation. My sister, who was living in Lakewood at the time, in the same house, she called up my mother. She was the first one to call my mother. Early Sunday morning, seven o'clock Eastern Standard Time. Yeah, it's seven hours to that. That's 2 p.m. at Israel time. And she calls up my mother. And while she calls up my mother, before my mother has a chance to say anything, she says, by the way, Ma, Baruch Hashem, we were able to get a good night's sleep last night because the bird was gone. Just disappeared. My mother's jaw dropped. She couldn't believe that. Literally what Rebbe said. When you're mochel, he'll go away. Tzadikim see certain things that we don't see. And they understand that if something is a little peculiar, a little out of the ordinary, we're just like, ah, oh, what is it? No. It's an neshama that's coming back. It's trying to ask something from you. And Rebchaim Kedis, he was so sensitive to that, that he, even he knew that just this little bird that was an annoyance was really saying a very powerful message. And that's what G'dolei Yisrael are. 
they're able to see something that we perceive as something that is quote-unquote trivial, but by Talmud Chacham, there's no such thing as small things. That's why they're so great. So we'd like to thank StoriesToInspire.org. We'd like to thank Rav Daniel for encouraging us to say these personal stories with Rav Chaim Kanievsky. I personally miss him tremendously. He was a tremendous role model for me personally, for my family, ultimately for all of Yisrael. His Yerat Shemayim, his Hatmada, his Avat Torah, Avat Hashem, Avat Yisrael is the most amazing thing that I hope to aspire to be even a fraction of that. And Hashem should give him a, an unbelievable Gan Eden for what he did for Kal Yisrael, for Hashem's people. And all he did, his selflessness, which was so remarkable. And Bezat Hashem, we should only know of Smachot. We should Bezat Hashem Bezochet to the Gulash Lema. Amen. Enjoyed this story? Come again. Bring a friend. Stories to inspire.org.